sensation and sounds built to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Magnesium is naturally found in foods like. This is the Well and Good podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Now that we've entered 2022, we are due for a forecast of what's in the stars and what we can expect as the year unfolds. I'm senior producer here at Well and Good, Taylor Camille. If you remember in our astrology episode last year, we talked to astrologer Kira, read my chart and gave me some hope for the future. And so we brought her back to impart more of her wisdom and advice for how the stars will align for us collectively. For clarity, this was recorded in December, just before the new year. So any mentions of the next year actually refers to the now present year we're in 2022. So have your chart handy if you can, and if not, keep in mind your placements as Kira and I chat about what she predicts is in store for this year. I'm Kira Taborn. I'm an astrologer. I kind of call myself like an astrology educator and consultant. That's really where most of my offerings lie this around this time. I am the co-founder of the Cusp Astrology app, which is a really fun, love-focused astrology app. And I founded the 11th House, which is a membership community. We host guest workshops and, and stuff like that and, and monthly gatherings. And I am a podcast host for the astrology. As we think about New Year's, and I feel like you're a very ritualistic person, if that's even a word, but like, I wanted to know what you do and what are the rituals that you do in preparation for a new year and and why? I used to do something, which I, I should start back up doing it, but I used to do this thing where I would write a letter to myself to read at the end of the next year so I can say like, these are all the things that I did this year, you know, mm-hmm. and 
that's kind of a form of manifestation. So maybe I will do that sometime in the next couple of weeks because it was a really great practice. Almost everything would come true too. And I kind of just do that, I think, in my head now, but writing it down is a whole different type of magic. So yeah, Yeah, definitely. I think, and being able to look back on it is like very rewarding. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Definitely. Okay. So last time we had you on, we talked just like astro pretty generally and you read my chart, which was not fun for me. (laughs) (laughs) And I definitely need another reading later, but we wanted to obviously on this episode, talk about just like things to look forward in the future and like things that all of us can be looking forward to in 2022 and where the planets will be and where the stars will align (laughs) type of thing. (laughs) So first really is, I guess, these Saturn-Uranus squares. It's a defining transit for 2021. Is there a parallel of that that we can look at for in 2022? And for those who don't really know what maybe these transits are, can you kind of give us a rundown of that? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, so Saturn and Uranus have been squaring off, and squares just mean they are forming like a 90-degree angle with one another. So yeah, Saturn is in Aquarius, Uranus is in Taurus, both fixed signs. And essentially, yeah, they've been kind of, you could say, butting heads or just in conflict with one another for the past year. And into next year, for sure. So that square in particular, I've been calling it just like 2021 in general has felt like a huge adjustment period. And I think that that transit, that square speaks a lot to that, basically. We have Uranus in Taurus, and Uranus has been in Taurus since 2018, but it's you know slowly making its way through Taurus. And what Uranus does is it liberates. It it is here to, you know, it's like the breaker of chains sort of thing in a way that is very, maybe you could say revolutionary or or tends to be very sudden and oftentimes unexpected change. But Uranus brings change, whether we like it or not. But that change tends to be in the name of improvement or upgrading. And like I said, like releasing releasing us from things that just aren't working anymore, aren't serving anymore. So Uranus is in Taurus trying to like innovate and upgrade and leaving the old behind. Where And then at the same time, we have Saturn in Aquarius and Saturn entered Aquarius in 2020, but has been firmly in Aquarius since, you know, the beginning of this year, 2021. And essentially, yeah, what Saturn wants to do is preserve things. Saturn is down for the long haul, the long term, and wants to build things that will be resilient and last for a long time. And in Aquarius, it's at home. It's in its home, you could say domicile or just the place where it is most comfortable. So it has the means to do what it wants to do very well. But running into the square with Uranus is causing a lot of problems for Saturn because Saturn's like... I'm trying to build, you know, I'm trying to build things for the long term. I'm trying to yeah. make things last. And Uranus is like, nah, it's like, fuck all of that. We're we're upgrading, <laughs> like out with the old and with the new. And okay. so that's kind of where this, this square, the mm. tension lies between these two planets is there's this part of our lives, this part of our society that's trying to build things that are sustainable, specifically around our social lives and our social norms and our social constructs and roles. Because we're talking Aquarius and an air sign that has to do with like the populace. So mm-hmm. Saturn's really trying to be like, all right, how do we, you know, build, you know, structures and groups and and yeah, these sort of like 
these group dynamics in a way that's going to be sustainable while Uranus is like, we need change. We need new things, you know, again, out with the old and with the new. So there's a, there's a huge adjustment period going on and that leads us into 2022. I don't believe we have any exact squares anymore in 2022 between the two planets, but we do, they come extremely close to an exact square Mm -hmm. in the summer. And so we'll certainly be working with this throughout next year. On top of that, we have eclipses now in Taurus and Scorpio. And so things are definitely ramping up (laughs) in in that regard. And especially in the Taurus area of our lives and, and in society, which Taurus what kind of refer to our food, you know, supply chain. You keep hearing about the supply chain. Uranus and Taurus fucking shit up. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, things like crypto. There's there's a lot that, that we could talk about with Taurus, the land itself. And so we're going to see a lot of, I think, just a lot of activity and energy around those topics. And then, of course, in our personal lives where those things show up. And yeah, just I think Saturn is kind of, going to be poking us all of next year being like, what about the long term? Like, is this sustainable? Is this going to last? Like, yeah, it might be shiny and pretty right now, but you know, what about the future sort of thing? So yeah, we'll we'll continue to be working with that energy for sure. (laughs) So basically that transit has passed, but it's still going to, like there's themes of it that will still linger in the new year. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's passed, honestly. Like, okay. There won't be any exact hits, like those 90-degree exact hits, but it comes pretty close. Everyone thinks that when anything is going wrong, (laughs) something is in Gatorade. (laughs) So what retrogrades, I guess beyond the typical Mercury retrograde, Mm -hmm. should we be aware of in 2022? And what, what do they mean for, you know, us? Yeah, so we're starting off the year in a retrograde. Venus is going to station retrograde 10 days from today, December 19th, and will be retrograde until like, I think late January. When is it? Yeah. It's like January 28th or something. So oh, a long we, stay. yeah, yeah. We're, <laughs> we're, we're kind of entering into a retrograde, entering the year in, in a retrograde. And so yeah, Venus retrograde, it's going to be in Capricorn and Venus retrogrades tend to speak to you know, renegotiating or reviewing our social contracts with other people and our our relational contracts, you can say. And so oftentimes that's, you know, romantic relationships, not always. It really sort of just brings up these relationship dynamics that need to be worked through. Oftentimes it will also bring up personal things having to do with love, beauty, attraction, how we feel about our aesthetics, how we look, those things can kind of change or be up for review as well. Yeah. So, you know, when Venus goes retrograde, it's almost like she becomes a lot closer and and louder. I mean, that's any planet, I think, but especially Mercury and Venus when they retrograde. It's like their significations are turning inward. And so they become louder in our personal lives and therefore sort of up for review or looking at how things can maybe improve or you know how things have changed since the last retrograde or the last time Venus was in retrograde in the sign which is every eight years Venus retrogrades in the same sign so you can think back to December 2013 the last time Venus was retrograde in Capricorn and you know think about 
oh my god, I can't believe 2013 was eight years ago. Sorry, I just had like a brain thing. Like <laughs> me too. That was eight years like, ago. What? <laughs> but yeah, think back to that time, and if anything specific was coming up for you, because those themes are reemerging. This retrograde specifically is interesting because it's heavily involved with Pluto. It's stationing retrograde conjunct Pluto, and so. Yeah, I think there's definitely going to be a lot around, you know, power dynamics and obsession and, you know, just, yeah, Pluto makes it so it's really hard to, it gives you like really intense tunnel vision and really obsession, you could just say obsession and compulsion are Plutonian aspects. So you add Venus in the mix and it's sort of like, you know. There's definitely going to be some fixations, you know, on on certain people um, that certain people have over others. And that's going to be something to to really work through and and reckon with over these next, you know, month and a half. So, yeah, we start out the year in that, the Venus retrograde. (laughs) And then two weeks in, we get a Mercury retrograde. I think it starts January, like, 14th or 15th same time yeah they'll overlap which happens (laughs) okay i was not aware (laughs) it happens yeah so mercury is going to station retrograde in aquarius in aquarius and you know we you know mercury retrogrades at this point you know they they tend to be these times where things become up for review similarly to venus retrograde but with mercury it tends to be more about how we're communicating and yeah it tends to be a little bit more specific to thought processes and and things like that and communication the interesting thing about the mercury retrograde is when mercury it's going to station in aquarius but it retrogrades back into capricorn and when it finally stations direct february 3rd when it finally stations direct it stations direct in that same spot that venus stationed retrograde in so it's almost like it's going to recall something from around now december you know 19th 20th so all of that to say is just pay attention to what's going on late December, because those are themes that we're going to be working with for, you know, into January and early February. Again, interjecting to remind you, this was recorded last year. So think back to what you picked up on in late December 2021. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, we have we have more retrogrades. Obviously, we have more Mercury (laughs) retrogrades every three months. So we have a Mars retrograde at the end of next year. By the end, I mean mm. Halloween. It stations, I think, the day before Halloween, October 30th, I believe. And so Mars is going to be retrograde in Gemini. And we had a Mars retrograde in 2020. So we can kind of think back to that. That one was in Aries, and that one was specifically or particularly difficult because of Saturn, because of a lot of reasons. This one coming up in Gemini, I think, is really interesting because it's not harmed by any planet besides Neptune. And so that's interesting, you know, the fact that we'll be working with Neptune. We have been working with Neptune for a while, but Mars is essentially going to station retrograde squaring Neptune. And so Mars-Neptune aspects are tricky because you have Mars, which is the planet of like doing and taking action and making things happen. And already, you know, the fact that Mars goes retrograde is not it's not great for Mars because Mars wants to move forward and get things done, right? Mars actually retrogrades the least often out of all the planets. So every two years, whereas every other planet will retrograde 
basically every year, Venus is every year and a half. So anyway, Mars retrograde, it's already like, uh, Mars is like, I want to go forward. But then you add the fact that it would be squaring Neptune and Neptune has this very, I would say like narcotic or yeah, drug-like energy to it, where when a planet becomes in contact with it, it's almost like it's being drugged, like it's took a bunch of opiates, right? And so with Mars coming into this challenging square with, with Neptune and then staying there for you know, a long time because this is going to be stationed in that square. It To me, it just feels very like drunken, <laughs> like a drunken soldier or something, you know, like <laughs> kind of like this dangerous mix has the ability to cause harm in some way. With Mars and Gemini, the harm is typically through information and through words. And so there's that. And then you add the muddying quality of Neptune, which Neptune has a way of obscuring the truth. And so I'm really interested in like the news that's going to come out around then. And in particular, what type of like scandalous lies that might be exposed or or made during that time and then later revealed or just things that are maybe not even lies as much as like deceptions and you know frauds and things like that and yeah yeah so so that's later in the year and so it's end of October through early January but it's going to be in Gemini for like six months so we're dealing with Mars and Gemini for quite some time so you might want to look to where Gemini is in your chart and know that you're going to be dealing with some Mars tends to cut things out separate things I did not know all of this about retrograde so I'm excited like just I don't know it's nice to hear I mean scary to hear but I guess good to be informed good to be aware (laughs) I mean I like to say with retrogrades Every retrograde is a story in and of itself. They have like multiple parts. So it's sort of about just tuning into what's being revealed, what the story is about. And I also like to say, use it as an opportunity to slow down and, Mm -hmm. you know, like reorganize or redo or, or even remember a certain area of life or particular parts of your life because yeah, we can't be moving forward all the time. And it can be really useful and helpful to be able to have that time to slow down and, and restructure things. Or With Mars, I always say re-strategize. Like Mars wants to go to war. And so when Mars is retrograde, it's like war strategy, you know, or battle strategy. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of really good things that can come from it too. It's just working through the, the muck, especially with Neptune. There's going to be a lot of muck. <laughs> Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, and so we talked about Venus (laughs) and all of that mess, but are there any, I mean, did we touch on this? Like, what transits could set us up best for relationships, for love? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be different for everyone, but I'll definitely highlight a couple of placements and stuff that should keep an eye out for that. So one of the most exciting things is that Jupiter will be in Pisces for a good amount of it. Not as long as I would want, but half the year we get Jupiter in Pisces. So that's really fucking exciting because Jupiter is at home in Pisces. It's a place where Jupiter can be Jupiter in the sense of providing healing, providing abundance, providing love and perspective for all of us and optimism, hopefully. So Jupiter has been sort of in the shackles of Saturn since December 2019. So it's exciting that Jupiter will sort of finally be out of the bounds of Saturn and able to just do Jupiter. And we had a little tease of that this year in starting mid-May and into June and July, we had Jupiter in Pisces. And yeah, I mean, There was a hopefulness in the air back then. That was when people were starting to get vaccinated. We could see our friends again. We could hug our friends. You know, we could do things again. And so I'm really looking forward to that. I think I'm hoping that it correlates to just more vaccinations across the, the globe, more countries being able to receive vaccines and boosters. So fingers crossed for that. But on top of that, it's going to be great for a lot of people in regards to Romance, And I think particularly the mutable rising folks. And so people who are Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, or Pisces rising, this could be really good for you relationship-wise. Yeah. Yeah, period. <laughs> it's going to be really <laughs> good for story. you relationship-wise. Yeah. <laughs> and then also I would say, let's see, Scorpio risings, definitely there's a lot going on relationship-wise for Scorpio risings. We have that Venus retrograde. Venus rules both Aries and Scorpio risings. Venus rules their seventh house of relationships. So Mm. that retrograde is definitely going to speak to partnership relationship stuff for both Scorpio and Aries risings. But with Scorpio rising specifically on Jupiter and Pisces, that's going to be their fifth house of love, sex, romance, good times, pleasure. If you're a Scorpio rising and you are single and you don't want to be, January, February, March, and April of next year is your time to get your ass out and, like, be seen, have fun, go on dates. Like, it's it's ripe for good sex. I'll say that. And it's also ripe for pregnancy. So if you're someone that can get pregnant and you don't want to be pregnant, yeah, (laughs) be careful. If you're someone that wants to be pregnant, then first four months of the year go all out that's that's what i'm gonna say jupiter enters aries in early may like i think after the, maybe like the seventh or eighth and so yeah that, that's gonna definitely be a switch once it moves into aries but 
up until then, I would say go all out, especially I'm going to, I think it's April. Yeah. Especially April because Venus will also be in Pisces. So I would say for Pisces risings, for Scorpio risings, for Virgo risings, definitely. This is a time, especially like March, April, that love can certainly be popping up for you. As a Pisces rising, I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye out and, you know, being out looking cute as much as possible. (laughs) Find me out of the house. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So yeah, there's, we have the Venus stuff. I would also say, yeah, Taurus and Scorpio risings, you know, we're, we're about to have eclipses in Taurus and Scorpio. So that's the first and seventh houses for those two rising signs. First house is self, seventh house is the, the other, the partner. So it's like, I would, I would imagine a lot of new relationships for Taurus and Scorpio risings, especially Scorpio risings, because we get so much activity happening in the seventh house of relationships. And then, uh, like I said, Virgo risings for sure as well. Also Capricorn risings. All of the Taurus stuff we have going on is happening in their fifth house of love, sex, romance, pleasure. So there could be some fun stuff happening for Capricorn Risings too in that regard. Yeah, I would say those are kind of the main... Oh, and then, you know, Libra Risings, when Jupiter and Mars are in Aries, their seventh house, that's going to be mostly all of June, Mm -hmm. May into June. Libra Rising, definitely look out for the love and partnership if that's if that's on your radar. Yeah, and I guess I'll say Sag Risings too, because all that stuff is going to happen in their their fifth house as well. So the summer can be really fun for a lot of fire fire signs and fire risings too. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> this Jupiter. In Pisces, right? Will it bring us good fortune? Is that a thing that also can happen? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's not going to be for everyone, right? But yeah, Jupiter and Pisces. So for some people, they will experience this as it's too much. You know, like it is Jupiter, the biggest planet yet at home in like the sea of Pisces. So that can be experienced as very overwhelming for a lot of people. I think there's, you know. For instance, people who are sober, this might be a difficult transit for them in some ways because this is the type of transit that's just like let loose, you know, escape, be free. It's all about love and, you know, and feeling good, right? It's not a very down-to-earth, practical reality type of transit. And so escapism could be on the high for a lot of people as well as spirituality and religion as well, you know? Like I think that that's going to definitely – come to this very saturated point and peak, especially early this year with the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. But Mm -hmm. I also think that in general, Jupiter being at home in Pisces is going to be great for the collective overall. You know, it's important to realize that Jupiter is only in Pisces for four months and then it's in Aries for most of the rest of the year. It does go back into Pisces for November and then into December. But whatever like exciting, fun things that happen in the first four months of the year, just know that it's great, it's amazing, it's wonderful, but it, it might not sustain you throughout the, the rest of the year. I'm kind of thinking back to 2019 and Jupiter in, in Sagittarius, which is its other domicile, its other home sign, and how hopeful life felt, like how, mm-hmm. how many plans were being made. You know, people were just, I, me especially, but I'm sure other people experienced this where it was sort of like you can make these big plans for the future and yeah. it was really aspirational. And then 
2020 happened. (laughs) (laughs) Jupiter entered Capricorn, the sign of its fall, and all that hope kind of vanished, you know? Yeah. And so just knowing that while it's not the same situation as before, we will feel that kind of surge of hope and excitement about the future. And then there will be a shift. Not to say that it's going to go to shit like 2020, but that's not going to sustain throughout the entire year. (laughs) Okay. So much information. I'm like, and all I'm like, I'm just, okay. It's a lot. I know. (laughs) It's a lot to process. Uh, So then in 2022, Mercury's entering Aquarius. What does that mean? And what would that look like day to day? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, so Mercury... Mercury spends about three weeks in each sign. It kind of kind of buzzes through. It will be in Aquarius for a bit longer because of the retrograde. So we have Mercury starting off the year in Aquarius, like you said, and it'll be there. Oh, it'll be there till, through March. So yeah, we do have Mercury in Aquarius for quite some time, um, which is unusual. So the first thing that comes to mind is like Mercury will be you know, working for Saturn, basically, Saturn and Aquarius, and Saturn rules Aquarius. Mercury is how we think, process, communicate, translate our information and knowledge. And so in Aquarius, one, Mercury does pretty well in Aquarius. Mercury does well in air signs in general. So it has a sort of ease of movement there, you could say, in the sense that Aquarius is an environment that is sort of about being able to have perspective on humanity, (laughs) you know, like in a very broad sense. And so Mercury in Aquarius for all this time, it will be in Capricorn for a chunk of that time, but for most of it, it's moving through Aquarius. It's sort of helping, I kind of see it as Mercury aiding Saturn and Saturn's long-term visions for humanity and Mercury doing a lot of the the busy work, the translation work, the sending and receiving sort of work. And so we get a seriousness for sure with Mercury and Aquarius, but that doesn't mean serious as in like dry, dull and boring. It just means intentional and integral. So, well, day to day, it's really going to be specific to where this is in your chart, right? Like for me, Aquarius is my 12th house. That's going to show up very differently from someone who has Aquarius in the fourth house, you can say, or the third Mm -hmm. house. But in general, I would say, yeah, there's going to be the sustained period, the first couple months of the year, kind of looking at our social dynamics from a bird's eye view, Mm because that's very Aquarian is to be up in the clouds and looking at things from this perspective of top down. And therefore, we're able to really, like I said, with the distance, we can get perspective. And with perspective, we can gain information that we wouldn't be able to if we're like in the weeds, you know, like on the ground. And I would say maybe high level discussions or conversations around our social norms and our groups and how we form community with each other. I mean, it's interesting because I've even been thinking about so much of how we interact with one another has changed. So that to Mm -hmm. me makes sense. And I think even we're, you know, accustomed to kind of gathering in small groups or like really thinking about like when we step out of the house and like being more intentional about our interactions. So just from a social standpoint, it's interesting that it's tracking that. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's like the very end of February, early March, we get a lot of really cool conjunctions happening. And one of them is we have this one day where it's like, yeah, it's a Pisces new moon conjunct Jupiter. And then we also get Venus, Mars, Pluto conjunction. 
in Capricorn. And we also get Mercury conjunct um, Saturn in Aquarius. So end of February, early March, we kind of get this culmination of a lot of the energy that we're working with at the beginning of the year. And I think that's that Mercury-Saturn conjunction specifically is going to speak a lot to what we were just talking about with community and in groups and how we, yeah, how we connect with one another. Yeah. yeah. What else do I want to say about next year? I think, you know, with the eclipses moving into Taurus and Scorpio. So we've been in this eclipse cycle of Gemini and Sagittarius eclipses, and that started June of 2020. And I think, you know, we can remember what was going on late May and into June of 2020, which were, you know, protests sparked by the murder of George Floyd. And yeah. it's kicked off this whole sort of cycle around information and how we're sharing and receiving information. And we just finished up that cycle. We just had our last Sagittarius eclipse. And so now we're moving into this new cycle, Taurus and Scorpio. The nodes switch into those signs in, in January. And we're working with very different energy with these two signs. Gemini and Sagittarius are air and fire. It has a lot to do with the non-material, like I said, like the information. Whereas Taurus and Scorpio are so material. Taurus is literally like fixed earth and Scorpio is fixed water. So it's more tangible. And when it comes to Taurus and Scorpio, these are these are signs that have a lot to do with retention. That's like my favorite word for these signs is keeping things in and not letting go, <laughs> which can be great for when you want to build things for the long term and you need things to be sustainable and, and consistent and reliable. But when we need change to happen, it gets more tricky, right? So that's another like adjustment period sort of thing where we're really going to be working with a lot of releasing when it comes to the Scorpio areas of our lives. And that's where I'm hoping that grief processing comes in, where we're able to sort of just, you know, I think of Scorpio, I think of Oftentimes I think of constipation because it's like fixed, it, it's fixed fluids, right? It's like not moving. Yeah. And often Scorpio placements do tend to deal with a lot of constipation and and water retention and fluid retention, bloating, stuff like that. And so the South Node coming through is helping to release a lot of that. It's really about our willingness to let go. And similarly with Taurus, we have the North Node there and Uranus, so we're adding a lot when it comes to Taurus and we're almost like turning the volume up on Taurus and, and exciting that part of our lives. And so yeah. the the North Node wants to like gain in that area of life, but Uranus is kind of being like, yeah, but we're also still shaking out the things that aren't working and causing a lot of change in that area of life so that we can be on the track and be aligned with what is actually going to you know move us forward. And so with all that being said, I think it's just important to remember that we're going to be asked to let go of things a lot next year. And it's going to be things that we're used to being really consistent and stable in our lives. And yeah, it's it's really about the willingness to let them go to make more space for something else, for something new. And it's going to be tricky because Saturn's going to be there squaring all of it, being like, you know, stay consistent, you know, stay with the yeah, long term, stay do the course, stay the course. Exactly. And so, yeah, there's just a lot of adjustment that needs to happen there and the willingness to let things go. Okay. So in general, and like, obviously it's different because all of us have different placements everywhere, but if we could get a general outlook of what 
astrologically to expect in 2022, which just seems like a massive question. (laughs) What can can we expect? Yeah. You know, I see 2022 as a continued adjustment period, like we've been in in 2021, but definitely it feels a little bit more grounded. Yeah, I think there's just more hope next year, honestly. Jupiter and Pisces, I think, is going to do a lot for that. I I think people are kind of discounting just how far we have come in 2021 in the sense that we started out the year, almost no one was vaccinated. And now we have a really good chunk of, you know, at least Americans vaccinated. Of course, we have the issue of nearly half the country not wanting to be, but, but still it's, it's really, it's improved daily life for a lot of people just in terms of being able to connect, you know, and and being able to go to work and, and do all those things. At the same time, it's been so difficult because we had this like major pause in 2020 and a lot of people paused, you know, and, and kind of got his chance to sit and really orient themselves and in, in their lives and realize what they were doing wasn't fulfilling or, you know, whatever ways or wasn't working. And so 2021 has been a really, I think, difficult adjustment period for a lot of people because it's almost like societally we were like, all right, let's just keep, let's just keep going. Like, Let's not really acknowledge <laughs> everything the that we just went through as a collective. Group. We yeah. got to keep chugging along for capitalism. So yeah. I think that that's why it's been so difficult for so many people because there hasn't been any sort of collective grieving, collective recognition of what we've been going through because we're still going through it. And that sort of dissonance has been, I think, really troubling for most people. I believe 2022 and into 2023... I think that there's some grieving to be had, and I think that the eclipses are going to really facilitate a lot of that. And I hope that that happens. Like I really do hope that we get some, I don't know what that looks like, but some sort of collective, you know, grieving, because I think that's like necessary for the health of our society. So I'm hopeful for that. And at the same time, I'm hoping that makes more room for more hope and more you know, progress. And I think that that's going to be a big part of next year is just like being able to sort of look forward again and not so much feeling like, you know, the world is ending. So what's the point? That type of vibe, which I feel like has been the past two years. (laughs) I think that next year it's going to be a little bit more like, all right, maybe we can save this. You know, maybe we can do something about this. What can we do? And again, still an adjustment period, but less, I I think a little bit more hope. Yeah. So would that be your word to describe 2022, you think? Hope? Oh, I don't know if I want to put that word on it. (laughs) I think my word to describe 2022 is maybe faith is a better word. Faith is Mm. actually a better word because of Jupiter and Pisces. Yeah. Faith. On today's show, you heard from Kira Taborn. This episode was produced by Ella Dove, Kate Spees, and myself, Taylor Camille, along with many other hands and brains at Well and Good. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. Mixing and scoring by our sound engineer, Joanna Samuel, and our theme music was created by Madeline Lakomsky and Matt DiDomenico. Our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette.